from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. In the podium here on The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Dennis Cox sitting in for Tim this afternoon. He'll be back. And in the podium, we look back at the last week. So this is just a week-to-week thing, the podium. We go over the last week, in this case now, because college football season is basically over. We'll have one final wrap-up next week, most likely, of the college football season. You know, depending on what the bowl games and kind of like a cumulative season for for, uh, for football. But this is a week-to-week thing, the podium. So you could be on top of the podium one week and then completely off the podium the next. So we look at the four ACC schools here in the state of North Carolina. We're now in college basketball mode. So we'll have State, Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest. So looking back at the last week, nobody lost. No one lost. So it makes things a little bit more difficult, Graham, when it comes to actually ranking the podium from this past week. But off the podium, NC State. NC State off the podium. I know they had two wins this past week. They beat St. Louis, 82-70. They beat Detroit. Detroit Mercy, I should say. 83-66. If you would have said Detroit Pistons, I would have believed it because they stink. Detroit Mercy, also not very good. They're 0-13 this season. But they're a bit shaky in doing so. They trailed St. Louis at half, 36-33. Now, they did have a nice, there's a 27-9 run in the second half. Did NC State in that win against St. Louis. But again, shaky in doing so. There are still a lot of things that Kevin Keats needs to figure out right now when it comes to his lineup because he has a ton of guard depth. From DJ Horn to guys now coming in with MJ Rice coming off his injury. Cam Woods now being eligible to play, him being a two-time transfer. He's now eligible to play. Casey Morsell in the mix. There's a ton of guys that he has in his backcourt. But when you, again, you add Rice, when you add Woods into the mix, what's everyone's role? When you have that much depth, you have O'Connell also coming off the bench at guard. They have like six, seven guards they can legit rely upon. What's everyone's role? What are the minutes? What's the rotation going to look like? That's something Kevin Keats still needs to figure out. Because believe it or not, we're 12, 13 games into this thing already. It's not like, well, what's early in the year? No, actually, you're you're two months into this thing already. ACC basketball plays starts up in like a week. You're in the thick of it now. You really are getting into the thick of it. Because guess what? Once the calendar turns, you're into the new year, you got two months before March. That's it. Two months before March. I know there's a ton of basketball to play to be played between now and then you can't take your time figuring it out and I also want to see what NC State does outside of DJ Burns in the post I know Ben Middlebrooks I think in the game against St. Louis had nine points off the bench but Muhammad Diara battled a little, a little bit of an injury lately hasn't played a lot of minutes the last few games I think he's played eight or nine total minutes the last two games 
Uh, he's not really much of a scorer, but he can protect the rim and he can rebound. Obviously, with DJ Burns, he's leading their team in scoring. And he's a great passer out of the post. So, outside of DJ Burns, what are you getting on a consistent basis? There's still a lot for this NC State team to figure out. There's a lot of depth. But again, what's everyone's role moving forward? Bronze. So NC State off the podium. Bronze, Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons. Since Monday of last week, that's when we started this, since Monday of last week, they beat Delaware State, and they beat Presbyterian. And their wins were by wide margins. 88-59 over Delaware State, 91-69 over Presbyterian. Nice. So they did it the way they're supposed to, right? Convincing wins against competition that you're better than. Solid effort from Steve Forbes and his boys. Let's go to Silver. The Duke Blue Devils. Duke got a win in their only game this past week over Baylor. Is at Madison Square Garden. Baylor ranked 10th at the time. They won that one 78-70. John Shire really has... Because of injuries, really has limited his rotation early on in the season. It's really only been six guys getting double-digit minutes right now. Obviously, we have the five starters, two of which are freshmen, and Jared McCain and Caleb Foster at guard. You have Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell as your forwards. Then also at guard, you have Jeremy Roach, who's your lone singer. So overall, still a really young lineup. You're without Tyrese Proctor, who's still uh, returning back from an ankle injury. Christian Reeves, who's gotten some playing time a little bit as a center, seven foot one sophomore out of Charlotte. He's been hurt as well, so he's missed the last few games. So the big question for them moving forward is what do you get in the low post? Because right now, Kyle Filipowski, you're relying on him a lot to be your rim protector. He and Mark Mitchell. A lot. Now, Ryan Young, you have the graduate senior. The last couple of games has played six minutes and eight minutes. That's it. Now, in the eight minutes that he played against Baylor, he was impactful in those eight minutes, especially late, because Kyle Filipowski got into foul trouble. With about seven and a half minutes left, Kyle Filipowski has to come out of the game because he picks up his fourth foul. You insert Ryan Young, who got a nice layup, then also got a pick and roll with Jeremy Roach, where he set up, I believe it was Jared McCain for a three-corner on the right wing, which was big because it extended the league for Duke. So he made a couple of impactful plays coming off the bench. Again, not very many minutes for Ryan Young, a guy who has started and played a ton of minutes in the past for John Shire. But Blake's off the bench. Jalen Blake's is the only guy that's getting double-digit minutes off the bench. That's it. TJ Power, the freshman who's still learning things defensively, sometimes they go to a zone defense when Power's out there to maybe kind of mask some of the defensive deficiencies. Right now, as he continues to learn and evolve at this level. But he's just playing a matter of a few minutes a game. That's it. So those three off the bench, Power, McCain, and Young, I think in the game against Baylor played a combined 21 minutes. That's it. You're relying heavily on your starters. Now, again, Proctor is out. Reeves is out. But there are questions right now about the low post in terms of protecting the rim because I feel like if Kyle Filipowski is your rim protector right now if I'm opposing teams if he's inside the restricted area that little half circle that's underneath the underneath the basket if he's in there attack him attack him attack him get that guy into foul trouble be physical with him 
wear him down during the course of the game. Because when he's not on the floor, it changes their offense. Because he's a legit seven-footer that can stretch beyond the three-point line. And when he's not out there, if it's Mitchell and it's Young, they have no threat from the outside. Zero. So it changes the dynamic of your offense. Things to figure out for Duke. But nonetheless, they got their signature win over a top-10 team early on in the season. Neutral site, even though it's Madison Square Garden, might as well be Cameron Indoor 2.0 when it comes to Duke and college basketball. So that's where we stand with Duke and the podium. All right, so off the podium was NC State. Bronze, Wake Forest. Duke, the silver, which leads the gold for North Carolina. Big-time win of the Jumpman Invitational down in Charlotte, 81-69 to over Oklahoma. Now, it was in Charlotte, technically a neutral site, but let's be real, it's a home game. You're playing in Charlotte in the state of North Carolina. You're UNC. It's a home game. R.J. Davis is awesome. 23 points. Been fantastic this season as R.J. Davis. It's the seventh straight game he's led UNC in scoring. Ingram was solid. He had 11 points, seven rebounds, four steals for Ingram. He had a block. Baycott was back in double-digit scoring as well. He had three blocks in the game. Cormac Ryan backed up his 20-point game against UConn with another double-digit point game. But it's the defense where things stood out for me when it comes to North Carolina, Graham. Because against UConn, I felt that game was at MSG. I felt that UConn kind of had it easy, or at least it looked easy for the Huskies to get open shots because of way the way they were using off-ball picks and off-ball screens to guys cut and get open for open shots or slash to the basket. And it left Carolina defensively chasing. They were chasing the game. They were chasing guys on the floor. UNC's defense against Oklahoma was phenomenal. They had 10 steals, six blocks. They forced 18 Oklahoma turnovers in this game. They got 23 points off those turnovers. They got 24 points in transition. Hubert Davis talked about this earlier this week, or I guess last week, I should say. He talked about in the past where defensively, if they get things covered defensively and they're able to get steals and blocks and, and obviously grab rebounds, they could turn their defense into offense against transition. I thought it was the fastest that we saw Carolina play this season. Much faster than we saw them play pretty much at any point last year. But the speed in which they played and the way they were able to turn defense into transition scoring opportunities was the best we've seen them do all season. They were phenomenal. Perfect? Far from it. But if North Carolina can replicate that effort night in and night out, that's a sweet 16 team. There's a reason why they're ranked top 10 in the country. I still have questions about what they're going to get complimentary scoring-wise because outside of Davis, Baycott, and Ingram, it's been a little spotty. There are stretches there where Cormac Ryan, who we just mentioned a moment ago, been a little shaky. But the last couple games, he's been in double-digit scoring. Now, if he drops 20-plus or something like he did against UConn where he scored 20, Awesome if you're Carolina. But if he's double digits and is a threat from outside the arc, the guy's a graduate senior. He knows what he's doing. He knows his role. 
If he, but if he's continuing to be that threat, that's good. But what are you getting from guys like Seth Trumbull? What are you getting from Elliot Cadeau? What are you getting from Jalen Withers or Washington or Paxton Wojcik? Some of these other guys are only playing maybe eight, nine minutes a night. I will say this, though. There was a moment in the second half. Seth Trumbull got an open look from the right wing for a three-pointer, and he hits it. I think he only had five points all night, but that bucket extended the lead from 49-41 to 52-41 to in the second half. Put North Carolina back on a run, too, if it I'm did. not mistaken. Yeah. Timely three. Exactly. So do you get those key moments? In those key moments, can those role players step up? Like I mentioned, Ryan Young and a couple big moments that they had late uh, for Duke against uh, Baylor. When that game was tied 61-61, Kyle Filipowski had to come out. He was part of that nice little run for Duke in that game. Can you get these key moments from these other contributors? When Elliot Cadeau is out there on the floor, he also frees up R.J. Davis to work off ball a lot. And this is why we're seeing R.J. Davis get some catch-and-shoot opportunities, and he's not having to carry the load. Oklahoma defensively tried to full-court press Carolina. And Carolina, when they were able to inbound the ball, if they got it to either Ingram or to Baycott, kind of in the middle center part of their backcourt, they were able to go to either Cadeau or to R.J. Davis on either side of the floor. And both those guys can bring the ball up. And Ingram can handle the ball pretty well himself, too. And Cormac Ryan, another, again, a veteran guy, graduate transfer from Notre Dame, can handle the ball bringing up the floor, too. So having multiple ball handlers is a big thing for North Carolina. So that was impressive. In five games against top 25 teams, Carolina is 3-2. and two. Beat Arkansas, beat Tennessee, lost to UConn, lost to Kentucky, beat Oklahoma. Pretty good, three and two. But still just three and two, which still room to improve. So that's the podium. NC State off the podium. Wake Forest, bronze. Duke, silver. Not talking Duke silver from Parks and Rec. But North Carolina with the gold on the podium. Do you disagree with any of this, Graham? You feel free to, by the way. Uh, it's hard it's hard to leave NC State off the podium because they did get two wins last week but I I totally I totally get what you're saying and to me right now just based off the season we've had so far or what our teams in the triangle have been doing Mm -hmm. Wake's had the better season just because I feel like they've played some more tougher opponents I, I get NC State played Tennessee I'm not discounting that at all but Wake's played multiple other Power 5 opponents in their non-conference portion of the schedule. And again, there's just still some question marks that need to be left or that are left to be unanswered with NC State regarding their lineup and how they're rotating guys and Cam Woods, MJ Rice, Mm -hmm. their productivity that they're going to contribute to the team. Yeah, there's a lot of things for NC State to figure out when it comes to that. So it's fair. I agree. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Now, it's bowl season. By the way, this is the drive 
with Tim Donnelly here on 99.9 on The Fan. Dennis Cox sitting in for Tim this afternoon. Tim will be back tomorrow. Graham is producing us today. Uh, speaking of figuring things out, looks like Duke football has figured out who their next quarterback is going to be. By the way, Duke got a win in the Birmingham Bowl, 17-10 over Troy. It's nice for Duke for them to finish out the season. Duke and their new head coach, Manny Diaz. I know Manny Diaz didn't coach in the game, but Duke, after a nine-win season last year, gets eight wins again this year. Not many college football programs can sit there and say, yeah, we have 17 wins over a two-year stretch. Not many could say that. Duke can. Again, I factor in the bowl games into this. Now, I know Duke and Manny Diaz may not have been able to do as much with their recruiting class that they wanted to this year, but again, he's taken over with Elko's recruits. Elko didn't really have a chance, by the way, to coach his own guys. He was only there for two years. So the roster really was a mashup of some of the guys that Elko had brought in and leftovers from David Cutcliffe. And then now you bring in Diaz. But more importantly for the future, looks like Duke got their quarterback via the transfer portal, Malik Murphy. Transferring from Texas, a redshirt freshman this past season, actually started a couple of games against BYU and Kansas State while their starter, Quinn Ewers, was hurt. So he kind of kept the machine rolling for Texas, and he has three years of eligibility remaining. Now, Ewers is likely to come back to Texas, Quinn Ewers is, probably going to wait for the NFL. And they have Arch Manning, the next in the Manning family legacy at quarterback, He's waiting in the wings. He was just a true freshman this year, so he's probably going to use a red shirt and get ready for his future. So plenty of reason for Murphy to transfer. He's like, wait a second. If Quinn Ewers is coming back and there's this guy with the last name of Manning sitting there behind me, probably not a lot of reps and snaps for me. So you know what? I want to go somewhere where he can play. And he actually even said he wanted to go somewhere where there's opportunity. And guess what? That opportunity is going to be at Duke because Riley Leonard, Duke's starting quarterback the last couple of seasons, he transferred to Notre Dame. So then only guys coming back are Grayson Loftus, who was a true freshman this past season, and Henry Beeland, who was a redshirt freshman. Who knows what their future is going to be? Do they do they jump into the transfer portal? But Malik Murphy, 6'5", 238. Dude's got a cannon for an arm, by the way. Now, in the ESPN top 300 of, of recruiting ranks for 2022, so the Malik Murphy's class, Murphy was ranked 250. Pretty good. Generally, if you get some of the top 300 guys, generally having pretty good recruiting classes. Now, we see guys, there's schools like Georgia and Alabama, they're consistently getting 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 of those guys, which makes sense because they're the top college football programs in the country. But they get the 12th ranked pocket passer from that class. Again, 6'5", 238, and he started games, again, against BYU and Kansas State this season. So he's got some experience against Power 5 competition. So maybe Manny Diaz scored the big win this offseason when it comes to Duke football. So they finish out their season on a win. A couple more games that are happening this week when it comes to bowl games. UNC is going to have a bowl game tomorrow. We're going to dive in that here in just a little bit. But NC State also plays on Thursday in their bowl game, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, down in Orlando. Peyton Wilson, stud linebacker, opting out of the bowl game. 
He's getting ready for the NFL draft. And you know what? With his injury history, I do not blame him one bit. He's got to protect his future. I get it. What's going to drop him down on a lot of draft boards is his injury history. Multiple knee injuries, shoulder injuries, multiple surgeries. If he gets one more, oh, that really hurts his chances. Really does. So I don't blame him. And I seeing that guy play, I bet it's hurting him. But I know he's making probably like, you know, I know it's the right decision, even though I don't want to make it. Probably the right call. And I he's so fun to watch. Peyton Wilson, I know Tim and I have gone on this whole season about him. I mean, gosh, I've, I've been here so long. I remember watching him play in high school going, who is this guy? <laughs> I remember calling one of his games uh, when he played uh, for Orange High School against Hillside. It was actually, I think it was a playoff game, if I remember correctly. And I was doing play-by-play for high school OT, and I was like, goodness, this dude is something else. He's fun to watch. I would have loved to see him play another game for NC State just to see him out there. But, again, I do not blame him. But what a way for him to end his collegiate career, though. That final game at Carter-Finley against UNC, if you're an NC State fan, 15 tackles, eight of them solo, two tackles for a loss, a sack, an interception, and a 39-20 route over your rival. Can't beat that. If that if that's your fi- if that's how you want to go out as your final game for Peyton Wilson for NC State, Graham, you couldn't have picked a better one. Might as well go on and high, right? Yeah, no better way to do it than against your rival and the team. Mm-hmm. Everybody forgets that you were originally committed to. He was, and then flipped to come mm-hmm. to NC State. I mean, storybook ending for Peyton Wilson. Hey, you know what? We're seeing a lot of flipping from from UNC to NC State, but guess what? There's also some flipping from NC State to UNC. See, talking about rivals, transferring to rivals, and you know, commits flipping and all that stuff. Safety to Keen Harris. It's transferring from NC State to Carolina. That's right. A guy who has spent the last five seasons in Raleigh is transferring to Chapel Hill. Jakeen Harris, again, played the last five seasons with NC State. 2020 was the COVID year. So his, his freshman year was 2019. Had the 2020 COVID season, so he had that year of eligibility back. Early this season, thought it was going to be his final year of eligibility. Gets hurt against UConn, doesn't play the rest of the year, so he takes a red shirt, goes into the transfer portal. His final year of eligibility announced, going to Carolina. I find this interesting, Graham. I find this interesting. We've already seen Jordan Waters from Duke transfer from Duke, the running back, to NC State. So it's not the first time we've seen a, a, a team in the triangle see a player go from one school to the other in this area. And Jordan Waters, even as a transfer, played in the Birmingham Bowl for Duke. He's a graduate transfer. He's going to use his final year of eligibility to play for state. Uh, so that's – it's interesting. It's really interesting, Grant, with this transfer portal stuff. You know what? Guys want to go where they get a chance to play, and it might just be in that rival right down the road, the team that you just lined up against, Graham. Uh I, f- I find it all pretty fascinating. We're officially seeing a love triangle of college football develop right before our eyes. I could not have said that any better myself, Graham. I've got nothing more to add.